1: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, k 5 ux Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
2: Well, hello and welcome everybody. You have tuned in to episode number 284 of Linux in the handshack. Shack. This is the Weekender Edition where we talk about upcoming events, special event stations, Linux things you can do, maybe a few other special comments about various things. And then we dive into hedonism at the end of the show, which is everybody's favorite part of Linux in the Ham Shack. So we thank you for tuning into this episode. I am Russ, K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, any 4RD
2: all right so as we normally do on the weekenders we start off with some of the things that are coming up over the next couple of weeks and the first things we're going to talk about are some amateur radio contests and since cheryl get, didn't get a chance to participate much in the last episode but well, apparently it was bill's episode because it was bill's episode oh yeah, yeah okay, i believe gotcha. that will be the title <laughs> of, of the episode <laughs> it's uh, all about the bill all about the bill yeah. yeah no treble all about the bill <laughs> That's right. Uh, So maybe you could tell us about one or two of these contests that are coming up.
0: All righty then. So the uh, first contest is the Volta WW Ready Contest from 1200 Zulu May 11th to 1200 Zulu May 12th. Uh, Bands 8010, no work, uh, modes ready. And and the notes on it is the SSB and Ready Club of Como and the ARI Association uh, Radio... Amatori Italiani, are pleased to announce the details of the 52nd Alessandro Volta RIDI DX contest. The contest is organized to increase interest in RIDI mode as used by radio amateurs to honor the Italian discoverer of electricity, Alessandro Volta. And the next one is the CQM International DX contest from 1200 Zulu May 11th to 1159 Zulu May 12th. Bands are 160-10, through no work, CWSSB. And the notes on this is the main goals of the International DX Contest CQM are to unite people in peaceful coexistence and to contact as many other amateurs as possible in as many countries as the list of the P-150C award.
2: All right, very good. So I guess I can go ahead and hit the contest for next weekend because there's stuff coming on next weekend too we have the european union psk dx contest from 1200 zulu on may 18th through 1200 zulu on may 19th this will be on the 80 through 10 meter bands no work of course mode will be psk 63 got that psk 63 not 31 (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the european psk club has the honor to invite the radio amateurs all over the world to participate in the eu psk dx contest the objective of the contest is to establish as many contacts as possible between radio amateurs around the world and radio amateurs in europe by using the bpsk 63 mode everyone can work everybody for qso and multiplier credit well they're just trying to work 63 no one uses psk 63 so there you go you notice how all of these no. say the uh, the objective is to establish as many contacts as possible between radio amateurs around the world. That's pretty much the the goal of all of all these of contests. Them, yeah. I mean, um, uh, pretty much, you know, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so next we have His Majesty King of Spain contest. It's a CW contest on the 160 through 10 meter bands. No work, of course. And this is a Contest sponsored by the Union Union de Radio Aficionados Españoles, the URE. QSOs between DX stations are one point, and QSOs with Spain, Echo Alpha, are three points. So there you go. Ooh. You can talk to Spain. And it just so happens that the way my antenna is erected on the house. Um, which oh, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I did <say> right <laughs> which, which other than being poorly erected um, is in they have in pills po- for that <laughs> wow wow look at bill on the ball tonight <laughs> oh you were waiting for it i know <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but it just so happens to be oriented in such a way that i have really good propagation in spain so, and I'm not sure, like, I mean, that's why pure, purely <laughs> by accident and purely coincidental, but I do have very good propagation from here into Spain. So I guess if I want to work this contest, I should do really well with it. Uh, be that as it may, we're going to move on to some amateur radio special event stations, and we'll let Bill on the ball tell us all about that.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, we have the uh, Golden Spike 150th Celebration. This is running May 8th through May 10th from 1500 Zulu to 2300 Zulu on those days. And the call sign for that event will be Whiskey 7 Golf. Out of Roy, Utah, the Ogden Amateur Radio Club will be operating on, what looks like uh, 20 meters on Sideman and CW. Actually, no, that looks like uh, digital, 14040. Uh, and, uh, and also on uh, 40 meters, uh, 7235 and 7040. This is to commemorate the anniversary of the driving of the Golden Spike to complete the Transcontinental Railroad 150 years ago. Broadcast will be coming from the actual site. I hope it's not a broadcast because then it wouldn't be amateur radio. Uh, <laughs> we come from the actual site of, of the driving of the Golden Spike trains. And whistles may be heard from the background on all days. So check that out. We also have the landing day celebration coming up here. It's on May 11th. And they'll be operating from 1400 Zulu to 2030 Zulu as Kilo 4 Radio uh, Charlie Uh, They're out of Jamestown, Virginia, Williamsburg Area Amateur Radio Club. And they'll be operating on uh, 20 and uh, 40 meter sideband on 14265 and 7265. Uh, They'll be celebrating the 412th anniversary of the oldest permanent English speaking colony in North America. And uh, the last one we have on the list here is the W7K special event, the redefinition of the Kelvin. That'll be operated on May 20th from 0 Zulu all the way to 23.59 Zulu. Uh, and again, the call sign will be Whiskey 7 Kilo. And it's run over in American Fork, Utah by the Kilo 7 Fox Lima Kilo Fluke Lord Kelvin Amateur Radio Club. They'll be operating on a bunch of bands here. They'll be on 39.73.15, 72.73.15, and 14.273.15. They're going to be slightly off frequency. How about that? Um, and they'll also be running on Echolink node 76762028. Uh, the W7K celebrates the redefinition of the SI unit Kelvin, which will, be, which will take place on May 20th. The station will be operated from one of the most accurate temperature standard laboratories in the world in American Fork, Utah. Times of operation uh, were already mentioned. And let's see, uh, in, on May 20th. Uh, 2019, the definition of the Kelvin will be redefined. Historically, it has always been defined as a triple point of water being equal to 273.16k. And starting May 20th, the Kelvin will be uh, defined by assigning an exact numeral value to the Boltzmann constant, whatever that is. <laughs> this redefinition will ensure a long-term stability and traceability for the unit for temperature by making it independent of any material substance. So now we'll finally be able to measure those really cold temperatures up there in northern Alberta. So you'll be all set. And uh, that's all we got for special event stations coming up. Okay, so here's a stupid
2: question. So since it has been defined as 273.16 Kelvin, shouldn't they be operating on 3973.16, 7273.16, and (laughs) 14273.16 uh,
3: maybe they're doing Don't. one five. Maybe that's the new number. Who knows?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. What? Let me. I just looked up the Boltzmann con, constant um, because that's what we do, and it says the Boltzmann constant is one point three eight zero six four eight five two times ten to the negative twenty third meters squared kilograms something to the negative two kelvin to the negative one. <laughs>
0: Sure. Ah,
2: The Boltzmann constant is a physical constant (laughs) named after its discoverer Ludwig Boltzmann, which relates the average relative kinetic energy of particles in a gas with the temperature of the gas and occurs in Planck's law of black body radiation and in Boltzmann's entropy formula. Okay, that's way more physics than I ever did in school. So (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and leave that alone. If you know... What the Boltzmann constant is and what it's for, then you're way smarter than me. <laughs> Honestly, that doesn't actually take much. Uh, so we're <laughs> going to move on to announcements. And does anybody have any announcements? I only have you know bits about hamvention. Anybody well, else? I have? have.
0: I have one. Okay. Um, for anybody that's planning on joining us for our eyeball QSO party at Zydeco's 5 in Mooresville, Indiana on the 15th um, I spoke with the owner Hutch um, a few nights ago he said anybody that comes in with their QSL card um, gets the employee discount for their food which I'm sure knowing Hutch is probably a very steep discount I'm
2: sure it's significant it probably doesn't cover alcohol but you should definitely order alcohol because, oh, yeah. absolutely.
0: yep. They make some fantastic drinks there. So,
2: and they also have a uh, beer, Cajun beer, a beer, yeah. stuff like that. So, yep. You definitely want to do that.
0: Yeah. He did say, though, regretfully, there will be no crawfish this year because apparently the supply sucks. Um, but they have plenty of very delicious food that, yeah. You know, who cares about the stupid old crawfish? So. <laughs> yeah, you can't who cares, go wrong. <laughs> who cares
2: about them dang old crawfish? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, along the lines of the eyeball QSO party in Mooresville, Indiana, we do have Hamvention coming up. It will be a week from Wednesday, which was a day ago. So we hope we see everybody out there. Now, it turns out that our GoFundMe campaign wound up being fully funded about a week ago. So we would really like to thank everybody who donated to that campaign and got us to our funding goal. Now, there's a couple of things I'd like to say about that. The first is, we have achieved our funding goal, but that does not mean you can't still donate. If you have 5 or 10 or 15 more dollars to donate, we can go over our funding goal and all of that money will of course be put back into us going to Hamvention and providing whatever services we do provide at Hamvention, and the we,
0: money will be greatly appreciated. And it
2: will definitely be greatly appreciated, as is all the money that we have, uh, you know, achieved so far. It's it's always surprising to me that we we make our men sometimes exceed our funding goal, but it does help us get out there, and it it I mean we have people who sub- support us throughout the year you know, in general, just listeners. um, But they always come through for us for handvention and get us out there and allow us to do all the things we do at handvention, which is, you know, a great thing for us. Any more money that comes in will, of course, be put toward that that same goal. Uh, We did say that if we did reach our funding goal, that we would not accept donations for... The Linux and the Hamshack physical distributions that we give out at Linux and the or not Hamshack at uh, Hamvention. So that's exactly what we're going to do. I think we have we have some of the 1804s, the regular 1804s, and then we have a couple of brand new stacks of 1804.2s that we're going to have with us. Um, We're going to have mostly 64-bit versions, but we do have some lingering uh, 686 versions around. So we'll have some of those too and w- let's just go ahead and batter, you know, bat this around now. How are we going to do, because we're just going to give them away. We're not going to ask for donations for them. If someone wants one, we're going to give it to them, but are we going to make them do something special? Is there going to be a passcode, or are we just going to offer it up to people, or how how are we going to do it?
0: You're okay. going to have to offer it up to people, because most people that come to our booth know nothing about Lin- Well, they know what Linux is, but most of them have never used it. And usually know nothing about our podcast. They just stumble across us. So you really can't do the passcode thing because they're not going to be like, what? "What?" Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's fine. It'll be a first come first serve. I mean, we got plenty of discs, Um, you know, we'll still accept donations for them if somebody wants to give a donation for it. Um, But, uh, you know, we'll definitely tell them that, you know, these have been sponsored by the people that listen to the podcast. And, uh, you know, we take great pride in our sponsorship of uh, our sponsors that uh, help us, uh, you know, deliver this content to everybody.
2: Yeah, we should we should have enough to go you know for the people who actually want one. I mean, I always feel like we're going to run short. I know a couple of years ago we did run short and we had to actually go out and get some more. I, I will say up front that we will not do that this time if we actually run out. We're just going to run out.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can we can tell people to go download. And we probably should encourage people, if they can, to go download the ISOs anyway. Right. Because that – and keep the disks for the people that don't have that ability. They live out in the boonies like we do, and it would take them a month to download it or whatever.
2: So <laughs> Right. There are certainly people um, who need the ability to have a hard copy or may even just want a hard copy, if nothing else, to copy it and redistribute it or whatnot. And we're certainly willing to accommodate that. So and, you know, as we've um, made clear throughout the years that our our program is entirely listener funded listening, you know, that's where the sponsorships come from. We don't read ads. We never have. We never will. Um, so the only money we get to keep everything going is the donations. Wait, wait, we wait. Are-
3: Unless it's obnoxious money, we won't read ads.
2: <laughs> 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 that first seven figure ad. We're definitely reading it. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. um but yeah get them Get them
3: exactly
2: (laughs) all the money the show has ever received has been listener donations whether it be just to keep the lights on or to go to hamvention or whatever it is and that's the way we've always wanted to keep it i mean i have to admit that i have entertained the idea of, of taking paid sponsors over the years and it's always seemed like a really bad idea so um Yeah, we're just not gonna do it that way. Because I know when I listen to some of the other amateur radio and Linux based podcasts out there, and then they, you know, jump into they make it sound they they try and do it real slick. It's like, Well, you remember the other day when I was talking about blah 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 blah, and then suddenly there's talking about Linode or Debo you know, uh you know, some something, yeah. And uh it, it always annoys the hell out of me. So so Linux in the ham shack is never going to take sponsorships. It's always money coming from the listener, our listener base. And we, and we certainly appreciate that. So if you want a disc, when you come up to the booth, or maybe we'll even just offer you one, if it sounds like you're a person in need of one, uh, then we will not take a donation for that. However, we do entirely accept donations, even at hamvention. That's what keeps us going strong. And, um, you know, that's going to be that. So we're going to have a couple of other you know items available there that you can uh, pick up for a for a small donation. And of course, if you want to help support the show, there's also shop.lhspodcast.info which is going to have uh, you know, and a variety of other things you can pick up that will have our logo on it and helps us keep the lights on and all that stuff too. So, uh, I I think that's probably all there is to say about that. Yeah, so with good. that, we're going to move on and as a follow-up to the last episode, Bill is going to tell us a little bit about a distribution you can try because he's been trying it, which is the latest version of Fedora Core.
3: Yeah, so our distribution to try this uh, this weekend would be Fedora Core Thirty, the latest release of Fedora is out and uh, definitely a performer. If uh, you didn't hear our review in the last episode, episode two eighty-three, please go download that and listen to that episode. We talk about it in detail. But uh has, uh, has uh, the latest, greatest of just about everything out there, Gnome, GCC, and all that good stuff. A lot of deprecations of uh, Python 2 we're seeing across these builds, and uh, they're not the only ones that are doing that. So uh, it's good to see we're finally moving into Python 3 bindings for a lot of stuff. Uh, Ham Radio is definitely not left out of this build. Uh, we noticed uh, on this repo that uh, even the latest uh, JS8 call is available, and I don't believe that's true in, uh, in Ubuntu land at this point. Just not. Uh, yeah. So it's nice to see that that's already in the uh, in the repo. There's obviously a lot of uh, committers and stuff like that um, that are interested in ham radio and keeping the ham radio applications alive and uh, updated in the, that repo. So you can have the latest greatest uh, applications on your build. So uh, so give that a try, and uh, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, it's a uh, it's a it's a great uh, great distribution and uh i've been driving ever since uh fedora core 29 on this particular machine which is a, a mac mini uh, mid 2011 box so uh, i wiped my mac os and put that on there uh when the apple left support on that particular box and i haven't looked back since it's uh it's been a strong performer and uh i'm hoping uh sometime after hamvention to start plugging the radios into this box instead of my ubuntu box and, uh, and giving a real, real spin on all the applications and everything. So, uh, so give that a try, Fedora Core 30. Yeah, very good. And just remember that if you switch over to a Red Hat-based
2: distribution, you're going to be using DNF instead of DEB. Though, as I understand it from our discussion on the last episode, they feel relatively the same.
3: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, if you're used to using apt install something something, uh, you're just going to use DNF install something something. Uh, the package names will be slightly different. I noticed like cubic SDR was actually, uh, capitalized. <laughs> so, so you might have to do a little searching here and there for some of the, uh, some of the applications that you're used to installing, or if you're used to using our uh, LHS build that already has all that stuff in it, well, you'll have to actually, uh, actually go out and hit it and, and download some stuff manually at, uh, uh, we're thinking maybe, uh, maybe next time we'll uh, look at doing a Fedora build of the disc and, uh, Seeing if we can get everything pre-packaged in, in an installer. I haven't really tried it with that particular uh, operating system, but uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, have it there in the future. But uh, but give it a try if uh, you're looking for a new distro and you're a distro hopper and haven't messed around with Fedora Core in a while. Uh, you definitely uh, will have some success there with your ham radio. And
2: I haven't touched Fedora Core Red Hat in a little while. I have messed around with CentOS and Scientific Linux some. But one of the things I always remember about differences of package names is that for at least development packages in the Debian world, they're titled something-dev, and in the Red Hat world, they're dash-devel, D-V-E-L. So you know, if you're installing dev packages, you might want to remember that. I don't think that's changed.
3: So Sounds about right, yeah.
2: Um, But for the most part, they do follow a strict sort of naming convention. So for the most part, you can figure out what you need based on whatever the convention is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I even installed it on, um, I have a, a cruddy old uh, Windows uh, cheapy tablet I bought several years ago. And it has a, like an Atom processor, but it does have a 64-bit processor. And I, I just installed it today just to see if it worked and got it working You know, keyboardless, mouseless, uh, touch display. And it seems to work really well with uh, Wayland and uh, and GNOME installed. Got the pop-up keyboard. It definitely uh, knows that it doesn't have a keyboard attached, so it pops that uh, keyboard up much like a tablet would. Um, The only thing I did have a problem with is uh, uh, getting the orientation right for the uh, screen rotation. So basically I just lock the screen for right now until I can uh, spend some time uh, messing around with it. But uh, I've heard it's really decent for touch devices. And that's primarily why I also wanted to try it on this device, just to see if it was uh, uh, negotiable on there. And it definitely seems like it works. So, uh, so yeah, so you can even try it on some interesting devices.
2: All right, very good. So Cheryl has been. Have you been entering that stuff into the Etherpad? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. So, you want to tell us about the events you just put into the Etherpad, even well, though we we've kind of talked about it. them? Yeah, so. I know. Just mention, just wrap them up real quick.
0: Okay. Yeah. Again, reminder: don't forget the Eyeball QSO at Zydecoast Five in Mooresville, Indiana, which is about 15 minutes southwestish of Indianapolis on um, Wednesday, May 15th. We'll probably be there six. 30 ish yes i'm guessing Some, somewhere yeah. in there yes. somewhere yeah somewhere between 6 30 and 7 and we'll, we're gonna shut the place down and we will shut the place down <laughs> yeah and then uh we'll be at hamvention from friday the 17th through sunday morning on the 19th i know bill has to get to the airport fairly early so we'll probably be out of there by noonish or so
2: something like that but, but we'll definitely yeah. be around on sunday so yeah. if you're that's the only day you got. And uh, last we heard, admission on Sunday was free. free. So So, if that's the day you're going to come, we'll be there.
0: Yep. Make sure you can stop by. So,
2: All right. Very good. So moving on to events coming up. Other events coming up anyway. We have Cephalocon, which actually sounds like something you need a pill for. Um, (laughs) And that's on May 19th through the 20th of 2019 in Barcelona, Spain.
0: Look, Barcelona, Spain has come up again. They're very busy people there.
2: I guess so. You can contact them on PSK63 as well. Uh, (laughs) Cephalocon Barcelona aims to bring together more than 800 technologists and adopters from across the globe to showcase Ceph's history and its future, demonstrate real-world applications, and highlight vendor solutions. Okay, Bill, are are you into Ceph?
3: I have no idea what it was. Okay. I just saw it on all the right. list. He just
2: put that in there and it's like,
3: <laughs> all right, good. Hopefully
2: that means something to somebody then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kind of like that constant we talked about a little bit ago.
3: <clears throat> yes.
2: For the, for the Kelvin thing. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, also, we have KubeCon and Cloud CloudNativeCon Europe, which is from May 20th to the 23rd, 2019. And also in Barcelona. Wow. Spain is just I tell you, popular. Those people are busy. I know. They're crazy busy over there. The Cloud Native Computing Foundation's flagship conference gathers adopters and technologists from leading open source and cloud native. They're using the same words. Maybe <laughs> it's adopters the same and people. technologists. Yeah, I think it must be. Uh, Join developers using Kubernetes, Prometheus, OpenTracing, FluidD, GRPC, ContainerD, RKT, CNI, Envoy, Jaeger, Notary, TUF, Vitesse, CoreDNS, NATS. Linkerd, Helm, Harbor, and EtsyD as the community gathers for four days to further the education and advancement of cloud native computing. Cloud, Ooh. cloud, cloud. Cloud, cloud, cloud. Spain, Spain, Spain. There's clouds in the <laughs> rain on the plains in Spain or something. Something
0: like that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> so let's move on to the things that everybody cares about food, drink, fun. Cheryl's going to tell us a little bit about something we tried this weekend.
0: Yes, this weekend uh, on Saturday, uh, we had our annual poker game slash Cinco de Mayo party, which was, of course, on May the 4th Be With You Day. Um, But we had a a full Mexican buffet with uh, a new addition this year, which was Mushroom Asada. For those that don't know, it the base basically turns out to be grilled mushrooms. Since Cheryl is lazy and kind of crunched for time, she did not grill hers. She actually did a crock pot version. So the recipe I am sharing with you today is for mushroom masada. It needs 48 ounces of fresh mushrooms, whole fresh mushrooms cut into quarters. Or you can be like Cheryl and use six eight ounce cans of them. Uh, one cup of water or chicken stock, and I actually chose to use chicken stock in mine. Um, two thirds of a cup of soy sauce. Four scallions, finely chopped, which of course we used green onions because they're basically the same thing. Uh, juice of one lemon or two limes. I actually use lime juice in mine. Uh, six tablespoons of brown sugar. A teaspoon of garlic powder. A teaspoon of cumin. And one to two teaspoons of red pepper flakes, which I got a little free-handed with mine. Uh, <laughs> throw everything in a crock pot and uh, cover and cook on high for five to seven hours if they're fresh. Um, being canned since they were already pre-cooked, we cooked them for about two Three, hours two and on half, high. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And, of course, serve with a slotted spoon so you can drain the liquid off. What we did with ours, uh, some people just had mushroom... Soft tacos. I actually did uh, shredded chicken and mixed the mushrooms with my shredded chicken, which was really good. So, but you can do anything with them that you choose. So yeah, I could see doing some portobello's on the grill. Yeah,
3: that that'd that'd be
2: awesome.
0: Yeah, we did. um, I also uh, years ago Taco Bell had uh, Baja steak gorditas, and I love the Baja sauce. So I actually found a recipe for homemade Baja sauce. So on my chicken mushroom taco, I had a healthy helping of Baja sauce, some homemade guacamole, and some grilled onion. Holy guacamole! Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, we it was it was a very tasty meal, and we're we're slowly. We've got a little bit of leftovers left, not a whole lot. So, it's going to be a little bit
2: less after the podcast, too. Because now you've been talking up the Baja sauce. I'm going to have to go make a taco. Yeah,
0: because you haven't had any of the Baja sauce yet. So, you missed it. So, I did. Yep. You missed that in the avocado ranch. So,
2: well, I'll have to uh, make up for that. I see. I might even have to grab one of your little uh, flat bottom hard taco shells and do it that way.
0: Ooh. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. all right very good and i did love the mushroom risotto; it was very good and actually next time you'll have to do the borracho beans because those were fantastic too so
0: okay i'll do the borracho bean recipe next time all right very just, good just don't ask me to do the uh deconstructed apple cheesecake enchilada <laughs> <and chimata laughs> yeah. because that was just kind of a oh this looks good to throw in there so
2: all right very good so i'm just going to throw together a real sort of low-key whiskey corner tonight because i kind of i'm just winging this um interestingly though the one that i picked is one that i just picked up a few days ago called old bardstown and old bardstown there's a couple of different expressions of old bardstown it's made by the willet company and i've uh, reviewed some other stuff by willet in the past um but this is this is one of their you know expressions um And I hope I got that right. I'm pretty sure it's a But anyway, if I'm not, then I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure I'm right. Anyway, uh, this particular expression is bottled. This is the estate bottled edition. It's bottled at 101 proof. That's 50.5% alcohol. And what's interesting about the fact that I picked this is that uh, Old Bardstown happens to be the name of a thoroughbred. Um, And if you know anything at all about Horse racing. There was this uh, sort of semi-famous race that took place a few days ago, uh, called the Kentucky Derby. And the old Bardstown didn't ever race in the Kentucky Derby, but I I watched the I watched the end of the Kentucky Derby, and apparently there was some sort of controversy about uh, (laughs) the uh, the finish there. There was some uh, interference that went on, and apparently the horse that was supposed to win got knocked out of the race and the horse that eventually won was a 65 to one odds horse. So anybody who bet on that thing is rich
0: now. Um, So yeah. Yeah. Bill bet on him. That's the reason why he's rich now. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I was
3: joking. My wife was like, I haven't even, uh, I didn't even follow the, the, the derby this time. And normally we do, but we're just always so busy. The derby weekend that, you know, we never even get to watch it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was on all day because it was our poker night, and the coverage started at 2.30 p.m., and the race was at like 10 minutes to 6, which, you know, that's that's ridiculous. But anyway, let's come back to Old Bardstown. So there's a little bit of story here behind Old Bardstown. Born in 1952, Old Bardstown was an American thoroughbred racehorse named after the city of Bardstown, Kentucky. Bred and raced by Calumet Farms. The horse twice won Florida's Tropical Handicap at the Tropical Park Racetrack, as well as the Widener Handicap at the Hialeah Park Racetrack. In 31 career starts, Town had 18 first-place finishes, seven second-place finishes, and one third-place finish. By the time he retired at the age of eight... Wow. <laughs>
0: that's old for a racehorse though
2: yeah i know it's just funny i retired at the age the
0: the uh the ripe old age of eight old
2: Old barstown was one of the top raising horses of his time old barstown estate bottle kentucky straight bourbon whiskey pays homage to the legacy of the american thoroughbred the bourbon is made from a mash of primarily corn which is why it's bourbon uh, which is milled and mashed before being fermented with Kentucky limestone water. Following fermentation, the wash is distilled before the bourbon is matured for ten years. Ten year aged bourbon in new American oak casks. Then the bourbon is brought to 101 proof before being bottled. So I have uh, I have a glass of it here, and it is a nice auburn. It says it's uh, auburn red, but I'm not seeing a lot of red in there. It's no, it's, it's, it's a basically a straight amber color. bourbon color.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, it is 101 proof. Um, so let's take a quick nose of this here, because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a kind of um, not a one note, but a limited note while on the nose um it definitely has the oak to it a little bit of mint um they say eucalyptus i don't get eucalyptus i i sense eucalyptus really strongly if there's anything even remotely eucalyptus like in the room i can tell and i don't get that at all they say uh sherry and um they call it light like a single malt scotch and i'm not getting that at all to me it tastes like a straight up bourbon like and if you if you drink any kind of bourbons and scotches, you know that bourbon doesn't taste anything like scotch. American single malts taste like scotch, but not bourbons. And this to me doesn't taste like a single malt, um, or smell like a single malt, I should say. On the taste, on the taste. Sorry, I keep wandering away from the microphone. I'm not. I'm not used to not having my good, like you know, microphone, my good uh, condenser that picks up everything. Uh, these dynamics tend to like if you wander away, they
0: they they yeah. lose you
2: right, so you definitely get caramel, a little bit of um like a tobacco and leather, a little bit, not much um a little bit of nutmeg and not a whole lot else, <laughs> a little bit of corn sweetness and uh some of the barrel bitter and that's about it, you know, classic bourbony kind of things. And then at the end, in the finish, it kind of, the finish kind of lingers a little bit, but all you really get is a little bit of the oak barrel bitterness, some of the barrel, uh, the barley, sorry, not the barrel, the barley that's in there, and some of the classic bourbon-y flavors like caramel, vanilla, and cherry. So it's not, it's not exactly super interesting, but if you like classic bourbon flavors, you'll probably like this a lot. It's really inexpensive. It's about $30, $31 a bottle. And it is 101 proof, so you're actually getting some bang for your buck out of this. It's nothing that's going to blow your hair back. It's not real complicated. It's not super interesting, but if you like classic barley notes, you're really going to like this. Um, so if that's sort of up your alley, check out the Old Bardstown Estate Bottled Edition. <coughs> and that runs, like I said, about $31, and I'm going to give it an 85. I mean, it's not... It's not super great, but you can do a lot worse for a lot more money. So there you go. And Bill is probably going to have a lot more interesting review of his beer this time around than I have my whiskey. So uh, go <laughs> ahead and tell us all about it.
3: Uh, not terribly interesting because guess what? It's another IPA. Oh,
1: oh no. <laughs> so since I, was,
3: since I was in Washington and, uh, you know, drinking it up, uh, I uh, ran across these uh, a few times. And this is the oh his uh <laughs> something like that uh, uh out of uh georgetown brewing company in uh, seattle washington has an abv of 6.9 percent an ibu of unknown i didn't see it on the on the website or on the can i believe i got it in the can that time and i also had it uh on draft too from that uh that uh that bar i was at so um yeah, it was a uh, for on their website they say for normal people it's a darn tasty IPA. I definitely have to agree. It was a pretty good IPA. wasn't very. Um, I, I would I would guess the IBU somewhere around seventy. Sixty. So it's, it, 60. Uh, is it sixty? Sixty. Yeah. Okay. So not terribly bitter. It's a it's a nice, clean, crisp drinking uh, beer. Uh, definitely has uh, a lot of citrus in it, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Enjoyed it a lot. A lot of citrus. A lot of citrus. And I uh, say for beer lovers, they say uh, the IPA gets its light sil- silky texture from rolled oats. The flavor and aroma both express mandarin and citrus all around. And yeah, definitely, definitely got the citrus notes in it. Uh, over five pounds of hops per barrel makes this IPA a truly bode delicious. Uh, it's a gold medal, medal winner for uh, uh, the American style IPA category and the uh, general american beer festival in 2016 so uh, if you're over in the in the washington area or wherever they get it in the northwest uh, there you can definitely try it and won't be disappointed it was definitely a nice tasty ipa very uh very refreshing uh, on a uh on a saturday night at a barbecue our, our dogs
2: just decided they needed a six pack of boa Adva and they ran off
3: so yeah (laughs) there you go (laughs) there bohazadba there you go
2: that's what i'm guessing i I had no idea so yeah i'm
3: sure it has a much better name but (laughs) (laughs) better pronunciation or whatnot uh uh, yeah
2: very good it's funny that i have a friend of mine sent me a russian imperial stout that actually has a ibu of 65 which i really enjoy and 65 is high for a stout i'll tell you that right now
3: yeah Uh, i'm
2: Uh, it is definitely a multi-hoppy, wonderful concoction, and maybe I should talk about the uh, that particular IPA, or sorry, that particular stout. I said it was IPA, <laughs> um, but it's one of those ones that's kind of hard to find. It's a local release, limited to a certain distribution area, which I don't know if this particular one is similar to that, but since you always talk about sort of uh mid-central pacific northwest or uh upper midwest kind of brews maybe i should bring in beer from other places
3: yeah well you know my availability is uh pretty much what we can get out here so uh, another good beer i had while i was out there in washington was uh from the wander brewing company and it's called correspondent and it's an uh it's listed as a foreign extra stout and it was a really really nice stout uh 6.4 percent abv a 40 ibu so uh and and that was really a really nice uh, yeah, i definitely uh, didn't want to do too many ipas while i was out there but i still did
1: <laughs>
3: just because i know like uh i didn't bring my tums with me
2: <laughs> so, well you probably like this because the the ib are the abv on the in stout that i have is twelve? I 12, think. Wow, that's awesome. yeah. It's up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. So, Bohizadfa or something like that from Georgetown Brewing Company out in Seattle. If you get uh, a chance to check it out, you should definitely do that. Sounds like an interesting one. And even though it's a sixty IBU, it sounds like it might be worth trying, even for me. And I'm not yeah, an IPA guy.
3: It was very citrusy. I mean, it was really, really good. I liked it. It was just really tasty, and I almost didn't know it was an IPA. I was like, oh, really? It's an IPA. <laughs> I could hardly tell. <laughs> but, yeah, it was definitely a, definitely a full, full, tasty, citrusy beer. It was good. All right, fantastic. Well, we have come down to the
2: end of the show, so I guess we're going to let everybody relax for a little bit, and then this is going to come out before the the weekend before Hamvention, mentioned then there's not really going to be an opportunity for us to do an episode before hand mentioned rolls around um we may try and do something remotely or i don't know who knows um, if
0: um, we don't why are we taking this equipment with us
2: no no, no, <laughs> no talking, we'll do something at ham we'll do oh, something got, at ham gotcha Hamvention. gotcha I'm about gotcha
3: before him mentioned
0: gotcha <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: there, there will definitely do, be Sunday.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah, and we normally do, th- what, the uh, nightly recaps Every, yeah, of yeah. Right. and uh, we may or may not do the Sunday one, depending upon right. what how happens. much activity or what we're doing, so, uh, <laughs> but definitely, uh, definitely listen out for a Friday and a Saturday show, for sure
2: yeah and uh there are you know the recording schedule is probably going to be a bit flaky for the next couple of weeks until we get done with him mentioned and everything going on ar- around those dates um but you know we'll, we'll keep everybody as updated as we possibly can and we thank everybody for kind of sticking with us when things get a little crazy in our lives and we're not able to be as you know consistent as we'd like to be um so just hang in there we'll, we'll get back to the the regular old grind uh you know before too long and we certainly hope we see everybody out in ohio and uh with that we're going to wrap this one up this has been episode number 284 of linux in the ham shack we thank you all for listening i'm russ k5 tux
0: i'm cheryl w5
3: O O. and i'm bill any 4rd 73
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page